everyone, and welcome to Empowering Homeschool Conversations. We are so glad that you are with us. This show is put on by our nonprofit, Sped Homeschool, and every week we address issues that are related to special education, homeschooling, homeschooling struggling learners, unique learners, all those, those things, and we focus on a different theme every month. And this month, we are talking about launching your child well <laughs> and how do you prepare through your homeschooling years to do that. And so tonight we are going to be talking about self-advocacy and how to teach those types of skills to your students because it definitely usually doesn't come in a curriculum box <laughs> no, or in a book. So welcome Mickey. Mickey's my guest tonight. <laughs> Um, I'm so glad that you're here and that you can share some wisdom with us on this topic because I think sometimes we um, we don't know quite what to, what to do with this. <laughs> so it, it is it is a difficult it is a difficult uh, position to be in mm-hmm. as those kids grow up. Yeah, and you have to, and you have to. Tr- I like to say you don't give up the self advocacy or the advocacy, but you transition. From advocacy yes. into self-advocacy. Yes, but that, so it's, that handover in itself. Exactly. So exactly. Difficult. It is. And it and, and it uh, trust me, my son is 40, my daughter's 38. It doesn't go away. It doesn't. So. <laughs> <laughs> you just pick your battles. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's that is a good tip of wisdom right yeah. there. <laughs> I love that. So we are live tonight, so we would love for those of you that are already watching to be able to share this broadcast with other people that you know that may be interested in this topic, Um, and whether they're homeschooling or not, we're going to be talking about just preparing kids to be able to advocate for themselves, and that is a huge topic across the board for students who Mm -hmm. have learning struggles, so... So definitely we're we're going to be talking to homeschool parents, but just know that we're going to be addressing issues that are really, it's really relevant to anyone who sure. has a child with struggles. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, and so this, um, this broadcast is made possible by viewers like you. Um, Spend Homeschool is a nonprofit. And if you want to learn more about becoming a donor partner with us, you can visit our website at spedhomeschool.com slash donate. And... Um, so, so Mickey, as we get started, I I would love our audience to just get to know you, um, and and a little bit of your background and just your experience in this area. Sure. Well, I think I've been teaching for probably about a hundred years. It, <laughs> um, I I actually taught the very first class I taught was a fifth grade before I had my degree. Wow. So it's I'm not it's not that far off. Mm-hmm. But no, I started I was an elementary teacher for about eight years. Mm-hmm. And uh eventually went back and got my uh, learning disability certificate. Okay. And became a learning disability specialist. Mm-hmm. And I, I worked in the middle school for a while and then I transitioned over to the high school. So I spent the bulk of my time in the K-12 system as a high school learning disabilities teacher. Okay. And I told the kids over and over again, I said, when I went to college, the only thing that I was absolutely positive of was that I was never, ever, ever going to teach high school. <laughs> I was certain. The uh, little ones, you know, love the little ones. Right. And um, But I ended up finding 
I really, really love the, the high school kids and transitioning kids and helping kids transition over into the college. When I moved to Florida, I took a position at the community college here and I was there for 15 years helping, uh, these same kids transition into the college life. And, and then the last thing I did before I retired was I worked as a, um, at the university as a federal grant director for a TIPSID grant that established inclusive post-secondary classes for kids with in- intellectual disabilities. That's awesome. So every age, every level. And now I'm tutoring, and now I'm tutoring little kids. Oh, wow. It's horrible. I'm full circle back to the little ones, but I love it. I just love it. So, yeah. Well, you're just a teacher at heart then. I guess so, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. just to thrive on. So that's awesome. And so many families, I'm sure, have benefited from the work that you've done. I hope. Yeah. That's great. So um, if you are joining us live, just know that you can be part of our conversation. If you have questions about um, advocacy, self-advocacy for your kids, and if something that we were talking about just stirs up a question or a comment, make sure you put those in the feed, whether you're watching on Facebook, on YouTube, or on Periscope. We would like to have you as part of our conversation. That's why we do this live. And um, we want to make sure that um, you get your questions answered. And I know that's it's hard in this day and age where we're always looking for answers to specific questions. And we can do searches out on the Internet. But when you've got a real life person who really cares, like Mickey does, um, it makes a world of difference to to get well, thank you. those questions answered. So, um but, you know, as we're starting this, can you give us, tell us the difference? Because I've already said advocacy and self-advocacy. What is the difference between the two of those? Well, in my mind, advocacy is what we as parents do. It's running interference, doing yeah. what, our, what our kids need, making sure everybody follows through with whatever they're supposed to follow through with. Mm-hmm. our kids and the adults that they work with, that they're yeah. involved with. Um, you know, we do, we do for our kids. That's what we do. And we all do that. Yeah. But as they transition into high school and the college level and, and mm-hmm. adulthood yes. and adult mm-hmm. roles and that sort of thing, whether they're going to college or vocational school or going out and getting work, whatever their, whatever their decision is, mm-hmm. there's a point where you have to change the guard. You have yeah. to pass the torch. Mm-hmm. And you need to pass the torch to your kids so that they can advocate for themselves. Mm-hmm. And so to me, advocacy is what the parents do. Self-advocacy is when their kids take over that job. Got it. That's my that's my thought anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, it's good to remember that because we we need to make that definition and that defining line, um, no matter really. when it happens. Exactly, and um, and work towards that goal. And what one of the things that I when I talked about transition or did I did um, podcast on it and I did a couple of uh, presentations. Talking about where I talked about uh, this um, self advocacy and how how that works. One of the things 
in my research that I really liked was the uh, rights law definition for self-advocacy. I don't know if you have that. Yeah. And if you don't mind me reading it very quickly, that way, and then we'll jump, we'll jump off from there. I flipped my papers over and there it is. All righty. This is, to me, I think probably the best definition for self-advocacy out there. Mm. Self-advocacy is learning how to speak up for yourself, making your own decisions about your own life, learning how to get information so that you can understand things that are of interest to you, finding out who will support you in your journey, knowing your rights and responsibilities, problem-solving, listening and learning, reaching out to others when you need help and friendship, and learning about self-determination. Mm. I think it just encompasses everything, but it's it that it really it's that growing well. process that we all yeah. have to go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? yeah it, that's true. If, even if a, a child doesn't have what we call disability or uh, a learning struggle, that those are transitions that we, we make for everyone That's as we move into adulthood. But we right. just need to be more purposeful because I think like you were saying earlier, Mickey, is that, you know, we as parents are in that advocacy role so much more for our kids. Oh, absolutely. And, and you have to be. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just, it's the nature of the beast. It really is. It really is. It, yeah. you, you, have to, you have to stay on top of things. You just can't not do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Yep, it's so true. Yep. So, um, how would you define self advocacy for us and put in the context within some of the basis of things that you have experienced in and through your your career? Okay. When I was um, when I started working at the college, I was hired as a learning disability specialist at the college and. My job was was twofold, actually. It was to meet the students and do the intake. Okay. So when the students first come into the college, uh, get their information, mm-hmm. collect their documentation, go over some of the finer points of yeah. what they're going to, ha- what's going to happen, and how things are going to change, and mm-hmm. you know, to make sure that they were transitioning into college from the college's point of view, making mm-hmm. sure how to get the accommodations and so on that they needed. Right. And uh, also, I read a lot of documentation, a lot of documentation. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> a lot of it. I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. I really have. It's, <laughs> there's some documentation that's mwah, perfect. And there's other documentation that's like, how much did you spend for this? You know, it's it's really, it's a shame, yeah. Mm. But, um Regardless, I would have to evaluate the documentation in order to assess the accommodations that were available. Right. Because one of the things that happens is parents don't realize oftentimes Mm -hmm. that accommodations you had in the K-12 system, whether you're homeschooled or public schooled or private schooled, anything that you were accommodated doesn't automatically happen at the college. Yes. That's so a very good thing to point out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so it's a whole new world and a whole new ball game 
And so when the kids would come to my office, it was funny when they'd first come in, I had my desk set up like this and I had chairs across across mm-hmm. the desk. It probably wasn't a real cozy, comfy arrangement. Mm-hmm. But it was also not a very big office. It was sort of what we had. <laughs> it's what you had, exactly. It, it was what we had, yeah. yeah. But um, I noticed there were two chairs, and I would look to see if the student stepped back and let the parent in first, mm-hmm. the parent would go to the corner and the student would sit across from me, directly across from me. Mm-hmm. If the parent stepped back and let the student go in first, the student would sit in the corner mm. and the parent would be directly across from me. And it took me about five minutes to figure out, yeah, we have to fix this arrangement uh, because that was my first indication of who was doing the talking because your instincts are to talk to the person directly across from you. Mm-hmm. And so it was not a big deal. It was just understanding and realizing that even that physical act of shifting seats mm. was was a nonverbal signal <laughs> that right. there's going to be a change in the transition. And I think what happens is the more you are prepared for that transitional change, the more you, before you get to that spot, mm-hmm. you as a parent worked with your kid to establish these changes that were going on that were going to happen right uh the easier that transition was there were so many times that i would ask a question and i would ask the question this way to the student and the parent would answer this way Mm -hmm. and i you know thank you but let's you know i want i want to do uh this question with the student as well what do you think do you agree with your mom you know Mm-hmm. And it is, it's an uncomfortable situation, but mm-hmm. it's also, it's a learning curve for everybody. Right. Because when I would say to them, well, you realize that things are going to change now, and I can't talk, I'd say to the mom, I can't really talk to you anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to talk to your daughter or your son. And it was so funny because sometimes the kids would go, yes. And other times they would, and other times they would go, oh no, <laughs> because they've grown accustomed to right the advocacy yeah. on their behalf. Right. Yep. So and, yeah, as you were talking, I'm just thinking, hot seat. Put that kid on the hot seat as much as you can. Yeah, know? really. And, and that's what it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Whenever so. we go into situations, you know, I I re- remember telling my kids they look to me for an answer, and I'm like, what do you got? Exactly. <laughs> I'm not speaking. <laughs> you can answer that. Yeah, that's your answer. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just. And it's okay. your kids were lucky that you did that because that you've automatically transferred that accountability onto their shoulders. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, that's the main thing. Yeah. And it can be a difficult job. I mean, there, yeah. there are ways to prepare for it, but mm-hmm. it, it can be a very difficult job. But I know that was one of the very first things that I noticed. And it wasn't like I was even trying to exclude the parents, mm-hmm. but more include the child. Right. But but you, you again, you talked about that, that legal um, yes. change that yes. happens and in the necessity of that student to be able to self-advocate mm-hmm. because of that change in, in how 
things are just run at that level when they transition out of high school. Yeah, the, the law has changed completely because they're no longer under IDEA and the K-12 system. Mm-hmm. So whatever rules, whether you're homeschooling or public schooling, whatever rules you were under yeah. are gone. And now you're on, under the ADA. Mm-hmm. And that's an entirely different ball game. Yeah. I mean, it really is because there's, <clears throat> excuse me, there's so many, so much of the ADA is open to interpretation. Oh, I never realized that. Yeah. And so when you go to one college, what you learn at one college is not necessarily going to be mm-hmm. the same thing at another college. Okay. Now, all colleges have to accommodate. That's the law. Mm-hmm. Okay. And all colleges address certain disabilities. There's a legal definition for a disability and, mm-hmm. and you know, they follow that. Right. But the accommodations that they do, the documentations that they require, every college has the ability to kind of set up their own guidelines. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So oh, like when interesting. at, at um, there was where I'm at in the area that I'm at, the local community college, it, well, it's a junior college now. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you see this a lot of times. Junior colleges and community and state colleges uh, partner up. Right. So you'll be at a junior college or a community college, but you don't ever have to physically leave the building, but you transition into Mm -hmm. the state colleges rules and regulations. Okay. Mm -hmm. And even if you had an accommodation in the junior college, you may not get that same accommodation when you transfer. Okay. So a person who is going and looking at colleges, mm-hmm. you go to a college, do your home visit or your your um, your visits, yeah. and check out a couple different places, and talk to the disability people there mm-hmm. about those differences, and you know the the kind of documentation they want, mm-hmm. and the kind of uh, accommodations based on the documentation. That's the other thing. Mm -hmm. not everybody wants the same documentation not everybody will give the same accommodations so that's why you really have to help your child realize Mm -hmm. that these changes are happening yeah and i think way ahead of time yes yeah way ahead of time Mm -hmm. and i think one of the best ways you can advocate and teach yourself your child to self-advocate is to have them become familiar with the rule changes that they're going to experience. Mm -hmm. I think that's number one, because when they get into a new situation and they have a problem and they have to solve their problem, Mm -hmm. what do they do? How are they going to solve the problem? Right. You just can't scream at the professor and assume everything's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, you can't just get into a fight with another kid in your class and assume they're not going to call the police. Right. That's not exactly. how it works. Uh-huh. I've, I've had that happen. So mm-hmm. it's a funny story for another day. But yeah, um, it's, it's it's not high school anymore. So the rules are mm-hmm. changing. The rules are different. Yeah. And so the best thing you could do as you're preparing is be there with your child to learn that. Mm-hmm. So that when it, 
when the self-advocacy switches over to them, just like in the definition, learn how to get information, find out who's going to support you. Mm-hmm. Um, know your rights and responsibilities. Figure out how to problem solve. Mm-hmm. Figure out how to deal with a professor who is doing something you don't like. Right. Exactly. So. Yeah, I had shared with Mickey ahead of time the the broadcast that my son had to do that. He chose not to be diagnosed and and he got some grades that were not agreeable um, and he knew that they weren't fair and ended up having to advocate for himself up to the dean of the college yeah. and to get those changed. But it is a different process. It is a very different process. Yeah. And I, di- I didn't say this earlier, but actually what your son was going through and what you've experienced is not atypical. That's very typical. Mm. Kids, I, I always, I kind of look at college as a great equalizer. Mm. When you're going into college, nobody knows if you have a disability or not. Right. Um, they, um, they just don't know. Mm-hmm. And unless it's something physical that they can see. Yeah. If it's something other, whether it's autism or an emotional disability or learning disability or whatever it happens to be. They don't know. Even the the professors don't know. The professors do not see your documentation. They do not know your diagnosis unless you choose to tell them. There's a lot of, again, rules and know the, know the, know the policies and know the procedures. How would you respond if you did not want to share your disability with a professor and the professor says, well, tell me, what is your disability? Mm. How do you answer that question? Right. So it's, it's the kind of thing where you have to prepare ahead of time how you want to address that. If you want to share, that's good. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I never advise people to share or to not share. I really don't. I've seen success with both directions. Mm-hmm. And, and I, yeah, I've seen it backfire and I've seen it work. So it's one of those things where when you're teaching your child to advocate for himself or herself, that might be a conversation you have. Right. Which takes me to how much does your child know about their disability? That is a very good thing to talk yeah. about. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I've had parents, I had a parent call and say, I'll send you the documentation, but you can't share it with them. Oh, well, that's just not going to happen. <laughs> That's no. a big no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not going to happen. You may send it to me if you want. If you want to redact something on it, that's your business. Mm-hmm. Um, it's If it's got what I need, okay. But I need to see what you're sending me, and I need to be able to discuss it with your yeah. child. Yeah. I so, so many adults, you know, on the other side, so many of our parents have learning disabilities. You know, they yes. realize that their kids are diagnosed and then they go, oh my goodness, that's me. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's not, yeah, yeah that's, yeah, that's yeah. very common. Very normal. Yeah. <laughs> um, my, my kids were diagnosed on the spectrum and then my parents turned around and said, Peggy, that's you. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah. Um, so, but, but not once did anyone say, oh, I wish I would have never found that out. They're like, what a relief. Now yeah, I've got myself exactly. figured out. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> so you're exactly. not really doing your child an advantage by holding those things. No, out. you're really not. And and they know something's wrong. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, usually um, 11, 12, 13, they start to really pick up on the significant differences. 
Right. And then so they start blaming it, themselves, though. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah, it gets, it can get very complicated mm-hmm. quickly. Yeah. But yeah, I've had, I've had that with um, the college. I had, um, I had one girl, then this was, I was, a, I was an adjunct professor for 11 years when I was mm-hmm. doing the disability services. Mm-hmm. So I would teach developmental reading and writing for the kids that hadn't scored well enough on their placement test to go into college level work. Uh-huh. And so um, I usually, I taught usually a couple classes every semester and I, I always asked them what their schedule was mm-hmm. just to sort of know what else is going on besides my class? Mm-hmm. And I was collecting them, and the one girl looks at me and she goes, "Oh, I don't know what it is. My mom made out my schedule, and I have no idea." What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, um, "Really? Okay." Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of scary at that age. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that's that's reality if you don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to sound scary, but that is reality if you don't get your kid ready. They need to be prepared mm-hmm. to transition over to becoming their own advocate. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. just and natural. What, what they can handle and uh, Exactly. And when you need to step yeah. in and when you mm-hmm. and when exactly. you don't step in. Because yeah. college is a funny thing with um you really have to teach the child how to address the problems mm-hmm. and because they're not going to call you to tell you there's a problem. <laughs> Actually, my kid's dead. I, <laughs> I think that's one of the things I focused on as I taught them more to self advocate. I, I made sure our relationship got closer yes. um, so that I was the person they chose that when they, that is good question. Exactly. And that's, that's so important. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I had one uh, student who, had a big problem, wouldn't, I mean, the school is not going to call the parents. The school is not going to let right. you know. No. They mm-hmm. just can't. Yeah. That's FERPA law. Mm-hmm. That's, that's illegal. It's like HIPAA law. It's, it's HIPAA law for education, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, they're not going to call and say, you know, your son or daughter had this XYZ problem. And, right. you know, mm-hmm. they're not even going to call and say, we had to call the police. They're, they're not no. going to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, <laughs> Usually they offer the kid the opportunity to bring something over with them if they want to, you know, get their parent and let them know mm-hmm. that's up to them. But that's not their, um, that's not an automatic. Right. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. people have to realize that. Yeah. That's why what you're talking about is so critical that you be with your kid to help them mm-hmm. get that thing started, get it started. Right. And, and let them, that relationship be a trusting relationship. Where, exactly. And one where you're accepting because there's going to be a lot of things that they're going to throw at you that you aren't going to like. You're right there. <laughs> I have two adult boys. Like did <laughs> you did what? <laughs> no. Exactly. But yeah. And, and just be willing to say, I love you anyways. Mm-hmm. And let's get yeah. through this. We do. We yeah. do. And that's, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 And so it's it's um it's being there. Like you said, when your son chose not to take his accommodations and not to mm-hmm. not to self identify. Yeah. That's the other thing. People think there's 
stuff automatically comes over. There, oh, yeah. It does mm-hmm. not. So nobody knows until the kid comes, goes to disability services, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and self, self-identifies. That's what gets it started. So, um, yeah, it's not unusual for kids to do that. I always suggested if you're going to do that and not use your accommodations, mm-hmm. I think, it's just my opinion, you're already here. You've already self-identified. I know you're here. You're in the system. Mm-hmm. You're, in a, you're one of my students now, so let's... But if you don't want to have the accommodations, see, when you get the accommodations, you, until you get them to the professor, mm-hmm. you don't have them. See, the disability services will prepare them mm-hmm. and they'll give them to the kid or they'll, some, some email them directly to the professor. Okay. We didn't. We gave it to the kid. If the kid took it to the professor, okay. If they didn't, mm-hmm. Okay, but it mm. becomes a problem if there's a problem. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So um, until that professor has that document mm-hmm. that says this student has registered for a disability and gets XYZ accommodations, mm-hmm. that's not going to happen. So what you experienced is not unusual. Now, I used to tell the kids, well, at least let's do the accommodations. Mm-hmm. You keep them in your back pocket, yeah. and you, if you if you run into a situation where this this was the wrong decision, or it's getting harder, or you're surprised by what the mm-hmm. test is going to be like, or whatever it happens to be, right. you have them all prepared to share. Yes, yeah. And at least I'm at that sure way, mm-hmm. at that way, they can at least they don't have to spend because getting those accommodations, depending on this operation of your college mm-hmm. might not be quick. Yeah. It could be a couple of weeks before you get all the paperwork in place and register and bring everything in and mm-hmm. the person evaluates it. And so right. this way, if you've got it all done, mm-hmm. at least you have it available to you. Right. And you can even let the professor know, I have these accommodations, but for right now, I'm going to try without them. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just in case. But you know, they have to do that knowing that you can't, you don't get redos. Right. <laughs> There's no exactly. do-overs. There's yep. No do-overs mm-hmm. in college. So if you try it and it doesn't work yeah. and you say, well, okay, I'm going to use my accommodations. You can't go back and do it again with your mm-hmm. accommodations. Mm-hmm. You live with the results and look forward to the next opportunity to improve. Right. Yeah. So, Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are some great points. I never even thought about that ability to be able to apply and just hold on to them and getting through that process. Because like you said, it is quite a process. And for a mm-hmm. lot of homeschoolers, they don't even quite know what they need to prepare. We, we talk to parents about writing their own homeschool IEPs, especially in high school, so they can document and create history and mm-hmm. um, uh, just how important that is. And yeah. So um, if you're in those high school years and you are homeschooling, just know that on our website at spedhomeschool.com, we have a free download that's an IEP template and step-by-step instructions on how to Excellent. do that. Excellent. So, Excellent. Um, so that'll help you with that process mm-hmm. and all of keeping all that information in a way so like people in the position like Mickey used to have 
understand it instead of just a, a homeschool parent throwing stuff at them with mm-hmm. terms of history and portfolios and other things, but it's in an actual document that's very similar to one a public school would. What are the other tips? If you don't mind, I'll just pass it along real quick. It's not necessarily self-advocacy, but when you're getting your evaluations done mm. or a learning disability, mm-hmm. with the little ones and the middle schoolers, they use child norms. So when you take a test, they compare your scores to other children. Mm-hmm. When you're in the teenage years, you want them to use adult norms. Mm. Because when colleges look at the documentation that you bring, if mm-hmm. you had a psych eval done, psychological evaluation done, mm-hmm. and you had it done when they were in the ninth grade, say, or 10th grade, mm-hmm. did that person doing the evaluation use child norms or adult norms? Because the college isn't interested in child norms. They're interested in adult norms. So that's just a little aside. Yeah, I think that's why I interviewed some some people from their lawyers out in California. And they were saying, wait till you get as close to the end of the high school year to get your child evaluated. Because that's where those tests are going to make the most difference. That's right. And it goes down to those norms. Because that was one of the first things I looked at when I looked at a a documentation is to see what tests they did and what norms they used. Mm -hmm. So just a little secret of the trade, so to speak. Yeah, well, that's really good information to know. And again, those tests help your student advocate for themselves. They do. have that information and it's it's black and white on paper. And and those usually come with suggestions Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. explanations. And it gives your child a chance to learn. It goes back to learning and understanding. You know, if you need, um, when you take your test, for example, if you need a private room or if you need a reader or if you need some sort of an alternative format, Hmm. um, which is a little trickier to do, but Hmm. if you need those kinds of things, talking to um, the person who gave you the test, Mm-hmm. And understanding what their recommendations are for the the ways you yeah. where your strengths are and where your where your struggles are mm-hmm. and what you might be able to do to support those struggles. Yes. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. It, it just yeah. helps you. It I it all guess. goes yeah, and it all goes back to knowledge. How much knowledge you have, mm-hmm. how much information you have. It really right. does. Yeah. And, and we found, too, that especially for my kids, those high school years, I wanted to make sure we tried as many accommodations as possible yeah. <laughs> to see <laughs> sure. what worked because exactly. I wanted don't know. them to know by the time they graduated what works for you and what doesn't. Yep, and exactly. So you can tell people with confidence, this works for me. This works for me and this, mm-hmm. yes, exactly. So the more of that you can do, the better. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it, that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Especially when you're in the homeschooling position, because so many of what the things that you do and that you're working on, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you are already teaching them skills to adjust, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah, yeah. so constant. Um, my uh, sister-in-law who homeschools said, maybe by the time they get to that point where they're transitioning into college or into a job or into a vocational school or wherever they're Mm-hmm. switching to that right. they are 
they don't need the accommodation because they already know how to accommodate themselves. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think you're doing a valuable service with supporting your kids already mm-hmm. in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they can use those. And I think I had somebody ask about, you know, speech to text at one point, and they're like, and where do I get that, you know, kind of software? I'm like, Google. <laughs> you know, everybody yeah. uses it. So. Google, the Google speech to text is, is, is wonderful. It, it really is. I use yeah. it every day. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> a lot of time. And I just, I don't need the accommodation. But for those that do, if you can get your child to master that, they're, yeah. you know, yeah. that's, that's great. Yeah. So, there's um yeah. one of the, um, uh, People I just interviewed, I don't, I don't know if you caught it or not, but on my podcast, I knew him when he was a freshman in college and he's now a PhD. Mm. And he has cerebral palsy. Oh, I did listen to that one. Yeah. And he mm-hmm. said, he said, Dragon, Dragon, naturally speaking, mm-hmm. is his best mm-hmm. friend. He uses it constantly. So that's because of the cerebral palsy affected his speech. And also it affected his um, hand movements. So he uses the technology Mm -hmm. all the time. But it takes a a learning curve to be able to use it. Absolutely, it does. Absolutely, it does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Once you get it down, then yeah, Yeah. it just becomes second nature. And that goes back to self-advocacy. What do I need? Mm -hmm. How do I get it? Disability services can give you some things. Mm -hmm. Um, Live scribe pens or those C Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of offices have those and they can sign off the uh they can sign off the material mm-hmm. loan it to you basically there's no charge right. they don't charge you for any of their accommodations mm-hmm. um but they will give you uh if they have it they'll loan you equipment okay. if you need recorders or if you need uh those scribe live scribe pens or mm-hmm. uh dragon or jaws or whatever you happen to need if they have it they will loan it if um they don't have it they can't or they if they can get it they will it just depends mm-hmm. um right. on the extent of the purchase that's again that every college does it differently mm-hmm. those, those are conversations mm-hmm. you have so with those your, are the questions you ask and yeah what you, what you need how to ask <laughs> exactly exactly yes um i used um fm systems for deaf students and an FM system is a microphone on the teacher and a receiver for the student that was uh, hearing impaired. Okay. Not completely deaf, mm-hmm. but hearing impaired. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can remember one, you, you just get, you, we had them, we had the FM system about the size of a pack of cards, deck of mm-hmm. cards, or pack of cigarettes, that sort of size. Okay. And yeah. um sits in your pocket mm-hmm. and microphone on your shirt and a receiver in your ear and there's nothing to it they're they're really they're really it's really a good system and um the 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 biggest thing is making sure that whoever has the microphone which is in generally the generally the professor Mm -hmm. doesn't walk away with it oh yeah it could could be embarrassing you just don't um exactly it's like they mic me up it was was so funny yeah exactly it was funny because i had a a adult woman who 
just didn't she just was didn't want to do it. She was just so hesitant. And I said, why don't you take it home, test it out at home? And she came back. She was so excited. She could hear her husband calling her from the other room. Uh-huh. And she could never hear this before. Wow. And she just, after that, she used it all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a good point that you make is, is making that impression on our kids that these are life-changing things that they're advocating for. Mm-hmm. Not just, exactly. um, this is a device or this is, you know, just uh, something good to ask for. But yeah. this really does help you um, yes. be able to integrate better into the classroom society um, and just life in general. Yeah. yeah. The um, the colleges have their equipment. They, they usually, at least, again, I can speak for us. Mm-hmm. You check with your college. But um, we we signed it out for a semester, and then they returned it. And then if they needed it again, you know, they signed it out again. There was no charge unless they damaged it or lost it, Mm -hmm. like anything. Mm -hmm. But um, we had, I had something called a flipper, which I've never seen other than this one time. But for a kid who had low vision, all right? Mm -hmm. But what it did is, and he asked me about it. He said, I use this at work. It could is it something I could get here? And I said, Well, tell me what it is, we'll look into it. Mm-hmm. And it was a camera setup that aimed at the board. Okay. And then it took the information on the board and transferred it to his desk laptop. Oh. Mm-hmm. So you take what's on the board that you can't see off in the distance mm-hmm. and it's all imposed on the laptop. Oh, kind of like um almost a microscope for Long distance. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It was hmm. called a flipper. I don't even know if they make them anymore, but huh. it was a pretty amazing piece of equipment and he yeah. used it a lot. Yeah. Okay. So, but again, that's self advocacy. He came to me. He mm-hmm. said, I use this at work. Could we get it here? Because I would have not right. ever mm-hmm. known. Yeah. But that's great of, that he was able to do that. And... Mm-hmm. So it all circles back to knowledge. Mm-hmm. It really does. And what you know yeah. so that you can know what to ask for. Mm-hmm. Right. And the more that we can do while we're educating our kids and as they're they're getting older to help them to know about that and what to ask mm-hmm. for and, exactly. and what works for them becomes yeah. more important as we transition out of our role as advocate and allow them to do that more. But, you know, as we're talking about that, um, one of the questions I did want to make sure we we touched on, Mickey, is, you know, as parents move out of that advocacy role and we we move our children into that hot seat, as I called it. Yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. How do we, how do our roles can be still involved, mm-hmm. yet not be the one who's speaking? <laughs> is there things that parents can still do <laughs> to help out yes, with that? Absolutely, there is. there are several things. One of the things that I've always, always suggested um, to the students and to the parents mm-hmm. was to read the syllabus together. Oh, that's important. Every class, every faculty, I've never seen a faculty who didn't, no matter where they're at, is going to give their students a syllabus. Mm-hmm. And the syllabus is a contract. Think of it as a contract. Mm-hmm. This is the contract between the faculty and the student. Mm-hmm. When the faculty says, here's your syllabus, 
here's your contract. Mm-hmm. This is these are my rules. This is what I expect. Right. This is how I grade. This is how I this is my attendance. Mm-hmm. This is whatever whatever they're putting on it. Right. That is what the student needs to follow. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the first things that a parent and their kid can do is take some time at home and sit down and read that syllabus together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because when you send your kid off with the syllabus, they at least know what's on it and they know how they need, if they need to adjust it for an accommodation or ask for anything special, then you you have a, a basis to start from. You have knowledge in front of you. Mm-hmm. You as a parent have knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so, and that is in that syllabus. Because if you have right. to go to the dean, whatever it is, so this is the thing I always ran into, the very first question the dean would ask is, what does it say in the syllabus? Mm-hmm. Number one. Mm-hmm. And if you can't answer that, how can you defend what you need? Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that and let the let the disability services people know when it's not the last day of class. Yes, <laughs> tip there. I can't do a lot for you. This is the last day of class. Oh, but yeah. um, mm-hmm. but that's where that syllabus and sitting down with with you and your kid makes just. I think that's like one of the biggest things you can do because then you as a parent know what the kid is expected to do. Mm -hmm. And I'm even thinking backwards on this is as homeschoolers, um, something we highly recommend is parents set up rubrics that Mm -hmm. their child knows what's required to get a certain grade. And that's how you grade it. And also to show your children your lesson plans. This is what we're doing. When you do that, you're going to prepare them for what Mickey's talking about is the syllabus. That's basically the same thing. It is. If they've done it enough years in their homeschooling and say, oh, yeah, this is just what mom does with us. I know know exactly now what's expected of me and what this class is going to be about because they're used to that format and being presented that format. And even if you two are looking at the syllabus, if there's something on it that doesn't make sense to you Mm. as a parent, Mm -hmm. then it would. You, you would be able to say to your kid, check on this. Go ask, when you, when you get a chance, ask your professor to explain this a little bit more. See, right. yeah. see exactly what they're talking about here. Mm-hmm. That's a but good point. Mm-hmm. so often the kids, they don't pick up on that themselves. Mm. They're more reactive than proactive. <laughs> right. And so you, you, by doing that ahead of time, and I used to offer it. I would offer it to all my new students. If you come, if you want to come see me, and, and I, I doubt if most of them can get that in the college, but I used to say, if you want to come see me, mm-hmm. make an appointment and we'll look at your syllabus if you want That's to. Great. Yeah. And I had a couple, two, three every semester who would come by with their syllabus mm-hmm. just to go over it to make sure that they were mm-hmm. understanding what was coming. Right. Because with a learning disability or with um, a processing disorder. Yes. It's that becomes very difficult to interpret. It it does. And so no having another set of eyes. Mm -hmm. I offered another set of eyes, but in reality the best set of eyes would be you as a parent. Mm -hmm. So I think that's 
probably that and the code of conduct. I'll oh, put those yes. in. The, I'll put those in the same package. Every college has a code of conduct, and it's very specific. And I have had students who were called up to the dean because of conduct issues, hmm. and they will get they will get removed. <laughs> they, the, the the colleges will not hesitate to do that if they need to. Mm-hmm. They're generally generous about, you know, talking talking through it, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes the offense gets to the dean. Sometimes it doesn't get any farther than disability services, mm-hmm. and sometimes it goes beyond. But it, it's, yeah. you know, know the code of conduct, especially if you know that your child is prone to outbursts or behavior problems or things like yes. that. Mm-hmm. Address those up front. Mm-hmm. And think about how how that child could accommodate themselves in the college room. Right. Um, if they feel like they're percolating, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, maybe make an accommodation where they can sit by the door right. and step out for a brief yes. moment just to regroup. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a simple accommodation, mm-hmm. but it's something that if you did it in the class, just because you could have a problem. But if you did it as an accommodation, Mm -hmm. it it would probably be fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point to make. So, yeah. Um, Yeah. It's handled completely different um, at that level. And you don't want that to ruin your child's college career because they, they just didn't, know what to ask for or what they needed in that environment. Right. Or, and how to, how to, um, bring themselves. Yeah. To calm themselves and bring them back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's a lot of things like that, that, but I think code of conduct and syllabus with your kids. And then third one, the disability services, policies and procedures. Mm -hmm. So all three of those together, if you know what the syllabus, what the faculty expects, and if you know what the college expects, so faculty syllabus, college would be the code of conduct, and disability services would be however they run their operation. It 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 differs. Okay. Some disability services is one person who wears ten hats, mm-hmm. and others is a huge department with multiple people. Right. Yeah. So so it's all different, and you just have to know how to how to navigate wherever you are. And right. Exactly. So, yeah. But walking through those steps is so helpful because if your student already knows ahead of time, then it isn't just this labyrinth that when I'm in a panic situation, I have to figure out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's where that shifting that advocacy into self-advocacy from you at home Mm -hmm. and you're in an ideal situation with the homeschooling because you know and you can help your child know when they need to pull back mm-hmm. and when, and when they need to go forward. Yeah. Yeah. And that they, then they're, then they're comfortable because we all know that if we feel comfortable in our knowledge, mm. we're less scared of messing up. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So, and that confidence, we can just keep building that and it, it mm-hmm. will help our, our students kind of become better self-advocates over time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got just a few minutes left, and I would love for you to share some resources with us, especially how our viewers can connect with you and your resources as well. Sure. So I don't know um, which ones you want me to pull up, but I'll 
click the links when you talk. Well, you go ahead and click a link and I'll. <laughs> okay. My website, so, NikkiTeaches.com. Yeah, let's go to your website first here. All right, um, NikkiTeaches.com. Yeah, I just I just finished uh, redoing it. It's mm-hmm. all shiny and new. So if anybody that runs into any, did you like it? Oh, good. Yeah, I did. <laughs> like, oh. it's, um, yeah, it's uh, it's been a, I'd like to say it's been a labor of love, but mostly it's been a labor. Labor, yes. <laughs> I feel that about our website too. <laughs> yeah. I think I think it looks better now, but I'll first I'll apologize up front if any of the links don't work correctly. Mm-hmm. I think I called them all, but it's mickeyteaches.com. And if anybody wants to send me an email, I'm at mickeyteaches at Gmail. Okay. I don't know if you had that up there, but it's just I at didn't Gmail. Didn't have that. It's the same yeah. thing, Mickey Teaches. Yeah. And if you're listening to the podcast and you don't see the link, it, Mickey is spelled M-I-C-K-I-E, I-E, teach, yeah. teaches.com. I think when I was about 12, I decided the boy spelled it with an E-Y. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So, um, and also, I'm just going to let our viewers know that I'm going to take all these links that Mickey shared um, at the beginning, in the middle, and here at the end. I'm going to put them all in the YouTube description. So if you're listening on the podcast or you're watching on Facebook, just know you can go to the Sped Homeschool YouTube channel. This video will have all those links. You can just click on them too. There's one for the uh, course. Yes. I wanted to be sure to let your your, uh, audience know. That's awesome. Would you like it? Oh, good, Mm -hmm. good. Yeah. Um, I don't know why it coded out to those numbers. I, I, that's one of those links I was trying to fix and it wasn't happening. So we'll just stick with that. Yep. Mickey teaches four, five, three dash two. I have no idea. <laughs> that's what, but if you go to that course, I set it up for free. It's, I, I, it's a small price. It's usually, it's $27 is what I'd normally put. But right now, because I want it accessible to anybody who needs it, mm. but right now, um, I have it set for free, zero cost. All you got to do is go in and put your name in and um, it'll be free until Thursday night, midnight. Okay. So if anybody's interested, they're more than welcome to go. Very Um, cool. Yeah. And let's see what else. That's some great information. Uh, The Think College. Think College. Think College is, the last uh, position I had was, um, a director of a TIPSID grant. And a TIPSID grant is a transition grant for uh, young adults transitioning to college who have intellectual disabilities. Mm. And they're inclusive programs on college campuses. Hmm. They usually work towards a certificate. You could work towards oh, yes. a degree mm-hmm. depending on the level of ability. But um, they're inclusive classes the idea is to, for a student with an intellectual disability who would not normally go into a bachelor's program or an associate's mm-hmm. program, but yet still have the experience of being in college, being around their peers, mm-hmm. um, learning everything that you need to know about social interactions and joining organizations and clubs and um, it, it's really, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Mm. Uh, and so I was working, I was the director of the TIPSID grant in Florida. So my job was to go around the state and help set up some of these programs in Florida. Mm. And I did that till our grant cycle went to 2015, which was when I retired. They're, they picked up another one after that in Florida. Mm. But at any rate, if you go to the Think College website, thinkcollege.net, 
-hmm. If you go to that website, that will uh, have all of the programs throughout the United States. Excuse me. Yeah. All throughout the United States. So, um, so it's a great resource for parents. It's a great resource for anybody who's interested in the college opportunity for children with uh, intellectual disabilities in particular. Great. Yeah. And then there, you shared the ONET. Um, Oh yeah. I like ONET. That's just my favorite. Mm -hmm. Uh, I recommend it too. (laughs) Yeah. Good. Cause if it's, if you're looking for career lines and career, um, plans for careers. What I like about ONET above all things, it does everything any other job source would do. But what I like about ONET is it's on levels. So you can be looking at jobs that fit somebody who has a very basic level Mm -hmm. to somebody who's got a very advanced level in the same job category. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's really, really a good resource if you get a chance to go there. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last one is the STAR, the, the oh, transition, the Project, Project 10. 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, Project 10 is the transition resource uh, throughout the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. When I did the TIPSID grant, I was part of the Project 10 group. And part of the thing that I had to do uh, for the TIPSID grant was to develop a person-centered planning yes. process. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things... Uh, where what you're doing, and it goes back to preparing your child for that transition mm. and teaching them the advocacy that they need. Right. But it's all about helping them uh, plan who they are, mm. where they see themselves in five years, where they're at now, mm-hmm. what they need to accomplish to get there. And um, so we developed the STAR program at Students Transitioning to Adult Roles. Hmm. And we based it on the five points of the star, and there's the five points in the uh, hmm. transition. And it we we built it like an event mm-hmm. where family and friends get together and they, Neat. you know, work on helping their child come up with a plan. Mm-hmm. But it's not the kind of thing that a parent can do. This has to be done by either um, a consortium if you have a homeschool consortium. Or homeschool groups, right? That yep. Meet. Mm-hmm. We'll have one person in the group who would be in charge of the person-centered planning uh, arrangement, okay. because they you don't want the the parents can't do this because they're involved in the process with their kid. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you need a person who's going to facilitate and one who's going to record. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And there's a big star model. I gave you a picture. I think I sent it. Um, of one of the star, uh, star board, the star charts we called them. Okay. That the the kid, you may not have it pulled up. I don't have it pulled up right. That's now. okay. But there's a star chart yeah. that's um, has an example of one of the kids when they did when you do your star chart. Once you finish this project, it's it's on a big um, like four by four piece of paper. You can project it onto a wall. You can, you can actually, you can go to, to, um, Kinko or FedEx or one of those places that enlarges Mm -hmm. things and they'll put it on a great big sheet of paper. We had ours built on a whiteboard, believe it or not, because we used it all the time. Mm. So whenever we had another kid who was doing their star project, we would just get the whiteboard because then they could fill it in and take a picture and then, picture of it. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was, it was, it was very inexpensive to do. We did it Mm -hmm. at, um, 
I think Kinko's or FedEx, one of those places did it for us. But that's an ideal project for kids that are in about the 11th grade, 12th grade, and they just don't know what direction they're going in and what they need yet to finish. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the star chart. Super. Well, thank you for sharing all those resources and thanks for everything that you've shared tonight. It's been, it's, it's been so good and, and enlightening just to, to learn so many things that I didn't know about. And so I'm sure our audience is. Um, well, and the one other thing is anything that I talked about today, if it doesn't apply to college, that's cool. If it applies to going for a job or it applies to a vocational school, it's all the same. Yes system yeah. mm-hmm. it's yeah. just applying it to figure out you just have to figure out with okay. your transitioning and mm-hmm. uh, advocating right at that different environment yeah 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 awesome well that's great well i Good. appreciate all your time and well thank you very much i'm glad the thunderstorms come back so you were online the whole time i, I was really worried <laughs> i texted peggy about six o'clock going Oh, we're having storms. <laughs> and it was, you know, it got dark and lightning yeah. and thunder. <laughs> but we, we Which in Florida, they go away in five minutes sometimes. But right, exactly. Yeah, it was yeah. it was looking a little scary there for a while, but we're good. We didn't lose power. That was my biggest thing. Yes, yes, yeah. So that that's awesome. And um, and I hope that um, that you all connect with Mickey's resources. She is a wealth of information, as you Thank you heard and um, she has a lot to share so um, and take advantage of that free course that she's offering for a couple days because I I've already started watching it and it, it has a lot of really good content in it so I thank you it's you um it's all videos I did videos so you can do the whole thing in a totally in about three hours I think I timed it out three and a half hours if you want to go from start to finish but and it's something your kid can watch too that's yes, I did it that should watch actually mm-hmm. yeah because mm-hmm. it helps them it goes back to that knowledge that you need when you're walking through those doors. Right. Exactly. So. Yep. Yeah. Well, I've got a couple updates to share with our, our audience as we're um, wrapping up here. I just want to know, let you know that this episode is being possible by viewers like you. We Sped Homeschool is a 501c3 nonprofit. So if you want to find out how to become a donor partner with us, you can visit us at spedhomeschool.com slash donate. Um, and if you do check out our website, you'll see that we have a whole new front page um, talking about <laughs> website redesign. Um, my mentor got on my case and said, people don't know you're a nonprofit when they go to your website. You have to have the donate button right there, middle and center. So that is the new, um, the new page. And we want you to know that we are here to empower you and to transform your family from being frustrated to empowered to do homeschooling and to... Um, to help your child re- achieve the goals that they're able to achieve um, as you homeschool them. So, um, and if you're homeschooling high school and you're feeling like, hey, I still have lots of questions, um, that's great because we have a webinar coming up this Saturday live with one of our, um, our team members. She is an ex-special ed teacher and she is gonna, it's a small group like counseling session and you can bring all your questions. She'll help you talk about transcripts and diplomas and courses and all of that for an hour. So so sign up for that. That's on our parent training courses. Um, and also we have a whole master class we have put together. It took two years and it's a master class on how to homeschool high school for your struggling learner. And that's also on awesome. our parent training courses. So um, lots of downloads there. The videos are extremely short, most of them. 
But the the resources that you get with that is because we were going to make it into a book. And we just said, nope, <laughs> we're going to put it into a course. It's a little easier. Um, but but also, if you're looking for a curriculum, if you're looking for therapists, if you're looking for people who can help you pick curriculum, like consultants or figure out how do I even teach my child? Um, we have all of that information on our website. So if you go to um, get homeschool help on our front page, that they'll just there'll be a list of different things that you can pick from, like our podcasts, and you can our our um, blog was actually just rated as the number one special needs homeschooling blog by Feedspot a couple weeks ago. So, um, so we have great content on there, and our partners write amazing stuff. And this month, we're actually instead of just one blog um, a week, we're we're releasing two. Um, just to get more information out to you about starting homeschooling and resources on our website that will really be helpful. So it's wonderful. It's just, it's wonderful. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Excited to be doing that. Cause I've been hearing from a lot of you saying, wow, um, if it wasn't for sped homeschool, we wouldn't be doing this. Um, that just yeah. comes to my heart because that's why we're here. So, that's right. Yeah. All right. Well, well, thank you again, Mickey. It was a joy to get to know you and to- well, thank you. I enjoyed this so much. Yeah, yeah, and thank you all for joining us. Um, next week, I will not be here, but this Friday we have a very special um, broadcast that we're doing instead because I'm going to be out of town next week. So on Friday, Cindy LaJoy from Blue Collar Homeschool is going to be joining us, and um, we're going to be talking about launching developmentally delayed teens, and um, she has done that with three of her adopted children, and she's going to kind of share her story, and we're going to get into a lot of difficulties, the hard stuff that parents deal with as we're trying to, to launch kids and launch them well. So so I hope you can join us for that special session. It'll be at four o'clock Friday central time. So um, we'll hope to see you there. But, um, but thanks again, everybody, for joining us. And Peggy, thank you. This has been wonderful. What you do is just fabulous. It's just, it's, it's such a blessing. So thank you for that. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks, Mickey. And um, yeah, it's it's been a joy having you, and I've got to have you back. Well, thank you. Yeah. So, thank all right. Well, good night, everybody. Good we'll night. See you later. This, this is my skyship dreamer. My cargo is stories, and our destination, dreams. With Abide Sleep Stories for Kids, you can help your children fall asleep fast and learn about God. To find these kids' bedtime stories, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Stories for Kids. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.